0: Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how you doing today?
1: Doing pretty good. It is Major Championship Monday, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, got a few things to talk about in the Oklahoma State world as well. So all good. Good weekend.
0: Great weekend, but yes, I'm I am fired up too for the uh, British Open. I will not just call it the Open; it will always be the British Open. And uh, I love coffee golf. I like getting up early, watching the golf in the morning with a cup of coffee. So I'm I'm fired up. And we haven't had the British for for two years. I'm curious to see how guys like Victor Hovland and some of the OSU guys perform on on Lynx golf. You know, Victor hadn't played a lot of links golf in his career, so I'm I'm fired up. Yeah, I'm not a coffee guy, but I do enjoy being done with the
1: tournament for the day at like 12:30, one o'clock and major championships over and it's it's one o'clock you got your whole day left so i do enjoy that aspect of it
0: i love it i love it before we get to all of other topics let's hear from chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to shop at chris we got season tickets on fire for for oklahoma state football the stadium is going to be absolutely packed you're going to want to look your best on game days on saturday it's been a long time since We've had a packed house, so go buy Chris's, get all your fresh OSU gear before the season, and you can do that online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Colby, i got kind of a, a potpourri of topics for you today. Are you, are you fired up for the show today? we got, we got Spencer Sanders ranked 65th in Pro Football Focus's 2021 Power Quarterback rankings. So just some quick, some quick math here. There's, there's five major conferences. Most of them have 12 players, or 12 teams, rather, And Spencer's near the bottom of the the power five quarterbacks, according to pro football focus. I think that was a little low. Yeah, I don't know. It's
1: uh, I mean, that's clearly based upon his just bust percentage on any given play. And I was looking at these numbers last week. His bust percentage on any given play is pretty high because he makes big mistakes and he is super talented. Obviously, he's a lot more talented than the 65th best quarterback in college football. But how much better is he than that? I don't think we really know yet. I think a second year with Tim Rattay will do a lot of good, a full offseason. But, I mean, they've got Max uh, Duggan, I think we decided. Or did we decide Duggan? Tomato, tomato, whichever you Uh, prefer. Max, Max, we'll we'll say Duggan for today. We might change it up (laughs) later in the week. They've got Duggan at 55. Uh, I did find it interesting that Casey Thompson sits at 42 on their list. And his sample size seems small to me, Carson. I don't know about you. It seems a little small to be that high. Couple passes in a bowl game is it
0: right? Uh, yeah. I mean, Southmore yeah. Newcastle is basically his his game film. And we don't even know if he's going to be the quarterback, right? I mean, uh, Hudson Card's getting a lot of a lot of a uh, hype out of Austin too. So it's not as if Casey's already won the job. I guess they're just assuming he will. I mean, I hope he does, being an Oklahoma kid. But I'm not convinced he's going to be the quarterback in, in game one. So I thought that was a bit of a curious ranking. But Spencer yeah. Sanders, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I hope that Casey Thompson wins the job. When a new coach comes in and a whole new staff, you just – you never know. He's been around for a while. It's, It's that whole, do you go to the big school, pay your dues and bet on yourself that whenever your time comes, you can beat out the new young guy who's there, or do you go to a smaller school where you can play? Casey Thompson decided to go to Texas, sit several years on the bench behind Sam Ellinger, wait his turn. So I really hope that it pays off for him this year and he gets to be the starter for Texas. Uh, I got to call his games for a couple of years in high school, his sophomore and junior year at Southmore, and he was a ton of fun to watch. So hopefully he wins that job.
0: Yeah, hopefully. That'd be interesting in the uh, Red River rivalry for sure. But look, the the reason Spencer's this low is turnovers. He ranks near the bottom in the Big 12 in interceptions. Let's see, he was, uh, where is he on this list? He 55th on this list, but he's thrown 19 interceptions to 30 touchdowns in his career. And I believe he has more interceptions than touchdown passes in Big 12 play. So I can't sit here and like pound my fist on the table and demand that Spencer Sanders deserves to be higher. Max Duggan did lead, I think he was second in the Big 12 in rushing touchdowns uh, of all positions. So he obviously scored a lot of touchdowns with his legs. Casey Thompson, I think they're just, building on the, the hype from the bowl game, but it's really simple, Colby. You and I are going to talk a lot about this throughout the season before the season even gets going. Just for Spencer, it's about the turnovers and the interceptions and, and he, look, he played really well the last two, three games of the season. He threw, I think seven touchdown passes the last two games. I mean, he really, really to me, once they opened up the offense a little bit, started to spread it around, he, he really played well to build on uh, some momentum coming into this year.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, and hopefully that, that continues and we continue to see that growth. Uh, it's one of those things. It's just um, quarterback play can be very fickle. I mean, it's kind of like we always say, quarterback gets too much of the blame too much of the credit whenever things go wrong or right. And I think that's been true for Spencer Sanders in his career at Oklahoma State. Uh, I think at times the blame has been appropriate. At times, there's probably some other things that have gone wrong, some offensive line issues, uh, no consistency at quarter or at coordinator, quarterback coach, those kind of things. Uh, so I think sometimes the blame has been warranted. Sometimes it's been too much. And occasionally he's had a, a good game where they go out and win, but a lot of other good things happen as well. And we just kind of point toward the quarterback. So uh, maybe that's on all of us more so than on the quarterbacks for uh, basically taking what is a vast, vast game and narrowing it down to one player.
0: Yep, I'm with you. So hopefully we're gonna hear from Spencer coming up on uh, Thursday for Big 12 Media Days. So we'll get to hear more about him and just the progression he's made this off season coming into to fall camp coming up soon. So I can't wait to hear from him, Mike Gundy as well. Speaking of Mike Gundy, we love these coaching lists, or right? I love to, to mock them. There's another one from Heartland College Sports. They rank the Big 12 coaches. Where would you rank Mike Gundy amongst the Big 12 coaches, Colby, before we look at the actual list? Amongst
1: the Big 12. Okay, I don't have the list in front of me. I would probably have to – I mean, obviously, Lincoln Riley's one. Uh, Past one – now, are we ranking, like, career achievements or current today, 2021?
0: As we enter the 2021 Big 12 football season.
1: Okay, then I would probably go Lincoln-Riley, one. I would probably go Matt Campbell, two. And I would probably, I mean, you could really go either way, three, four between Patterson and Gundy. Uh, I would, mm, TCU's had really good head-to-head success against Oklahoma State since joining the conference. Um, Just because the way you're setting it up makes me seem like he's a little lower. I'll go Patterson at three, Gundy at four.
0: That's what they have on Is Heartland it? College Sports. You nailed it. And look, I like Matt Campbell. I think he's a big time coach. What he's done at Iowa State has been remarkable. He has a losing record against Mike Gundy. I can't put Matt Campbell ahead of. I can't put Matt Campbell ahead of Mike Gundy. I just I can't. I, I would go Lincoln Rally one, Oklahoma State two, or sorry, Mike Gundy two from Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State has been by far not even really that all that close the second best program in the conference and sure you can look at the last couple of years of, of mediocrity you can do the same thing with TCU they've been mediocre the last few years as well but Patterson comes in ahead of Mike Gundy I just I don't see the respect that Gundy deserves look Matt Campbell's done a great job he hasn't won a big 12 championship Mike Gundy has I know he played for one last year but he lost he lost to Oklahoma a team that he had already beat and so I I'm ranking it Lincoln-Riley one, obviously. Mike Gundy two. I would put Campbell three over Patterson just because PCU has been so schizophrenic. I mean, they, they'll win eight games and then four on a given year. I just, I can't put their, their level of inconsistency to me has fallen to a place where I'm, I'm putting Matt Campbell above Gary Patterson, regardless of Patterson's long uh, track record. I'd put Patterson four. And this is where it gets interesting i have chris Kleiman staring at me he's beat oklahoma two years in a row neil brown who i like a lot steve sarkeesian matt wells from tech the lance i find this funny colby lance leopold the new coach at kansas ranks ninth i think that's where pro football focus had him in the entire country in that list we discussed on our last show i think he was ninth out of like every coach in america in their little did up-and-comer attempt? list <laughs> who do they attempt dave aranda from baylor okay
1: i yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just getting an incomplete award for being 10th. I, Probably. I, I, just, I can't imagine anyone having success at Kansas. I just – maybe it happens one day. Prove me wrong, so be it. Um, I, I don't know. If you're talking about – just going back to what you said about Gundy and Campbell, if we're putting their resumes side by side, Mike Gundy's resume is a lot stronger – but if you ask me which of the two I'd rather have starting today for the next five years, so we'll give it a full, a full class coming through there, I think I'd rather have Campbell because I, I know for a fact that he is hungry. He is hungry to do everything that needs to be done to, uh, to, to compete at the highest level. Mike is a great coach, has been for a long time. I, I think that it's fair to wonder how hungry he still is, and maybe he's rededicated himself after everything that happened last summer when he kind of saw his, his job flash before his eyes, if you will. But uh, I think that I would I would still have to lean Campbell over Gundy. And then Patterson-Gundy, for me, it's a total coin flip. I, I really don't I, – I would probably – if I were making a personal list, I'd probably have Gundy a, a smidge higher. I could totally see the argument for Patterson being a little bit higher, so that one doesn't bother me a ton.
0: Yeah, I mean – Patterson and Campbell don't have Big 12 championships. I guess Patterson has a split with Baylor. Even though Baylor beat them head to head, why they got a trophy for that, I'll never understand. But proof's in the pudding. I mean, Mike Gundy is what? The, he, Mike gun is the only other coach, frankly, that has a Big 12 championship on their resume besides Patterson's split. So, to me, that 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 weighs a lot with me considering just the overall win-loss record that OSU's had, but Past that, it's Kleinman, it's Neil Brown, Sarkeesian. I'm glad they put Sarkeesian seventh because again, he's he's right there with Aranda for me in terms of unproven, you know, incomplete grade. I mean, Sarkeesian seven surprised me. He was that low. You know, most of these lists are gonna have Texas high, so uh, I was pleasantly surprised that Sarkeesian was seven. I I kind of think he's gonna do a good job. I know no one has at Texas between Tom Herman, Charlie Strong since Mac Brown left. I just think the biggest problem Texas has had has been the offensive side of things with their quarterback play. Even with a Sam Ellinger, they just have not been able to score with all the NFL talent. They don't have on defense. They haven't been able to score enough, especially at the skill positions to really compete. And I think that's one thing that I think Sarkeesian knows how to do is, is score points with, with quarterback play. So I think probably not this year he's going to get it rolling, but I I tend to think Sarkeesian will be a success at Texas, but that's that's the first time I've said that in a while.
1: Well, and so I'm curious as to what your barometer is for him being a success at Texas. And this goes back to what I think a big problem is at Texas. What their barometer is, is a national championship probably in the next four seasons it is what their barometer is for Steve Sarkeesian. And I, I just don't think that I think they're delusional. I think they're delusional about where they stand in the hierarchy of college football. So what would be what, what would you think would be successful for Steve Sarkeesian between now and twenty twenty five?
0: Uh, winning double-digit games would be a start. I mean, Texas hadn't done that in, in years, maybe a decade. Um, I think winning a Big 12 championship the next five years, I think that would be considered a, a massive success. Do I, am I predicting that as of today? Probably not. I just think he'll get them off the mat to where they're winning nine, 10 games every year. I mean, Tom Herman did win 10 games and, and win a Sugar Bowl and did play for a Big 12 championship in Jerry World. So it's not as if he just completely fell on his face. He did have some success. And I just, for me, the, the X factor with Sarkeesian's is personal struggles. You know, he dealt with, he dealt with alcoholism that cost him his job at, at, you know, Washington or USC. And so for me, it's just, if he keeps his head on straight, I think he's already, he's already started to recruit really well there. And I just, I have a lot of faith in his offensive prowess, I guess is my point. Similar to a Lincoln Riley, certainly nowhere near Lincoln Riley's level, but I think that's just been the biggest problem for Texas is the quarterback position. and As we all know, that's the most important position in football. And it's certainly in the most important position in big 12 football. So yeah. I think we'll figure that out.
1: Yeah. I, 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 don't necessarily disagree with you. I think Sarkeesian has been really good there. I just think, you know, you're talking about let's win double digit games. Let's win a conference title. Let's have some success. I just, I don't think that's how Texas measures success. I think they still think that uh, they won a national title last year with Vince Young. I mean, I really still think that's the <laughs> mindset that they have and they're a bunch of boosters at Texas, big time boosters with a bunch of money who are crossing their hearts and belting eyes of Texas to the skies. And they just think that they should be competing for national championships. And I don't know how you meet the expectations when the expectations aren't realistic. And that's why Texas, that's part of why they've continued to cycle through coaches is because of the the disaster in leadership that they have down there with these boosters. And I I don't know, man, it's just, that seems like a black hole to me, for college football coaches. They go down there because they have all the money, all the facilities, all of the built-in advantages, but they don't have any realism whatsoever, and they don't even have any different way to try to achieve their unrealistic goals. They're like, no, 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 just go out there and do it. This is Texas. This is Te- No, 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 this is Texas. We can do it at Texas. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. W- what you think Texas is is not what Texas is right now. So uh, I don't know. I'm just – I'm pretty much out on uh, on Texas for a while until I see that they can have – just some sort of better structure that gives whoever is the head coach down there any small chance to be successful.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm not predicting them to win a Big 12 championship, but I do think it's a beaten down fan base in that they've lost at least three conference games every year, but twice in the last 11 years. So nine out of 11 years, they've lost at least three conference games. So you just, If he just loses to OU and maybe OSU, he'll be a, he'll be a saint. If he just loses two conference games, they'll be like, wow, we're back. We lost two conference games instead of four or five or six. So I I think he's going to get up to double digit wins in the next couple of years. And who knows, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they'll run him out of town when he still can't beat OU. So we shall see. But I like that list other than Gundy being four, but I thought it was interesting.
1: Yeah, I do like Kleiman at five. Kleiman at five, I think, is pretty, to me, pretty obvious. I like Neil Brown, but he just hadn't accomplished near as much as climbing. Kleiman, uh, obviously, we know what he accomplished at the lower level. And then at Kansas State, beating OU a couple years in a row. And every year, they're going to upset somebody. We talked about it on Friday. That's OSU's first conference game right out of the bat. Boom. Mike Gundy, I believe in his career now, has a 500 record in conference openers. And Kansas State is that pesky little upset alert that you just – Every time you see them on the schedule, it's like, yeah, yeah, we should beat them. We're going to be 11-point favorites. It shouldn't be a problem. And the next thing you know, there's seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Skylar Thompson is jump-passing to a fullback that's running wide open down the middle of the
0: field, and you're ready to pull your hair out. So, who knows? You're so right about that. Uh, Let's build our all-time OSU team, shall we, Colby, for 15 bucks. This is on pistols firing. I can't do it. There's too many good players we have to leave out. I know, it's really tough, but you can go to Pistols Firing, build your all-time OSU team with $15, and it kind of goes in tiers. The $5 tier is just a murderer's row. It's Barry Sanders, Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, Thurman Thomas. The $4 tier, Dez Bryant, uh, Ernest Anderson. Is that Ernest Anderson? Uh, for, I believe so, yeah. Okay, Ernest Anderson. I can remember 43. Uh, now I lost my page. Uh, ernest anderson mason rudolph rashawn woods three dollars zach robinson hartley dykes kindle hunter james washington two dollars mike gundy Tylen wallace chuba hubbard tatum bell pretty good value there number one dollar is tony lindsey uh justice hill josh fields and josh stewart so i'm just gonna take some math on my part i'm not great with math let's see here do you have your team ready uh, I've got 60%
1: of my team ready. And then I can't go over the, basically, here's what I'm doing. I'm just starting with Barry and then I'm going to build from there. Barry is the best player to ever play college football. Uh, one of the best players to ever play professional football. I just, yeah, he's expensive. I don't see how you could possibly leave him out. So I'm starting with Barry at five. And you have to
0: have, you have to have five players, correct?
1: Uh, gotta, got, you got to have five. Yep. Gotta have five. Yep. So then, Mm, it gets a little dicey because I don't know if I want to use different styles of running backs or use similar styles and just kind of take the best guys. Uh, but oh man, I'm I'm so torn here. I'm gonna go with Dez at four dollars. So I'll go Barry at five, Dez at four. I really think I'm not gonna be able to afford Whedon or Rudolph. And I really think between Zach Robinson, Josh Fields, and Mike Gundy, I don't think there's drastic separation between those three. So just purely on uh, budgetary reasons, I'm going to take Josh Fields at a dollar. Oklahoma Oklahoma State, great. That leaves me with $5, and I still need a running back and a receiver. Oh, man, this is uh, $5, and I need a running back and a receiver. Let me get – I've already got Dez on the other side. Let me get
0: Kendall Hunter and Tylen Wallace. Okay, so read your lineup for me again. I'm gonna write this down. All right,
1: so my lineup, I've got Barry at five. Yep. I've got Dez at four. I've got Kendall Hunter at three. I've got Tylen at two.
0: And I've got Josh Fields at one. Ooh. Your team might be better than mine. We'll have to wait and see though. I I got a pretty good team myself. So that does nine, 10, 11, 12. Yep, that, that's 15 bucks. Good job. So you got Barry, Dez, Kendall, Tyle, and Fields. That's pretty salty. My list, are you ready for mine? Let's do it. I took the same type of approach that you did, but I doubled it. I started my team with Barry and Blackman. Oh. The two best players in Oklahoma State history for my yep. money. So I, I, I just... I go bigger, I go home. So I got 10 bucks there. I'm going to go $3 for another receiver who the old timers will tell you was better than all of them. And that's Hartley Dykes. So I'm up to 13 bucks between Barry Blackman and Hartley. And for $1, I'm going Justice Hill for running back. Justice Hill was an elite running back. He was the best player on the field in that remarkable Bedlam game in Stillwater between you know, Baker and Rudolph put up all the numbers Justice Hill was the best player on the field running for over 200 yards. So I'll go Justice and I'll go Fields with one dollar as well. He was a great quarterback, beat Oklahoma twice. Uh, I, I'll take him just for that just so I can win Bedlam every now and then. So I'll go Barry, <laughs> Blackman, Hartley, Justice and then Fields. Yeah,
1: I like that. So we both got Barry and Fields because, I mean, you have to have Barry. If you're making an Oklahoma State all-time lineup and you don't put Barry in it, you, you kind of might get laughed out of the conversation. Uh, so we both have Barry at five, and then we both have Fields at one because, I don't know, man, I feel like that's the only place where I'm getting as good a value at one. Not I mean, not as if these other guys at, at one are slouches, but uh, I like Fields at one. So you've got Barry Blackman, Hartley, Justice, and Fields, and I've got Barry Des, Kendall Hunter, Tylen Wallace and Josh Fields. So, uh, man, there are so many different combinations you could do with this. I, I have several scribbles on my paper from attempting to make my lineups before I finally decided on one.
0: Well, now that I'm looking at it, I'll, I'll keep my team as is, and we'll tweet out and see who, see who won from the public opinion. But if Chuba Hubbard hadn't had the season he had last year, I would have taken Tylen with $2 instead of $3 Hartley and taken $2 Chuba instead of $1 Justice Hill. Tylen and Chuba, as opposed to Hartley and Justice. That might be – if, if Chuba just hadn't had the season from hell last year, I think that's the way to go.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I Actually, whenever I had my $4 left, I had to go either um, – I had to go either Kendall Hunter, Tylen Wallace, or I could have come up and gotten Mike Gundy as my quarterback and then gone with Tylen and Chuba – but I, I don't know, Chuba's this past season, he would be so much higher. Of course, if this past season didn't happen, let's say he goes pro after 2019, he's probably not on the $2 line. He's probably on the $3 line, and Kendall Hunter's probably on the $2 line. This last season, uh, it, it definitely stung for Chuba. It just everything kind of went wrong, but that's, uh, that's life. I will say, one, one thing that I don't totally love about the pricing, but there's nothing you can do about it because there's too many great running backs, I mean, Thurman's at five and nobody's going to pick Thurman. You just – I mean, Thurman's going to be in almost 0% of lineups. There's going to be an old-timer put Thurman in there and tell you that, you know, he, he was the best and all this. But poor Thurman. He's, he's on that $5 line where he deserves to be, but nobody's going to pick him because his backup just so happened to be the
0: best of all time. Yeah, I mean, he he's a Hall of Famer in college and the pros and – there's going to be a Barry statue before his. <laughs> Just think about that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he made Barry ride the pine and now, you know, Barry gets all the, all the love and respect. So, but it was good to see Thurman get his number retired first. That was, that was, that was pretty cool. So he did get his due uh, along those lines. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we got a little bit of golf news. Uh, Matthew Wolf dropped out of the British open for undisclosed reasons. It's been kind of a tough run for him. He played really well at the U S open, but apparently doesn't want to go overseas and, and play in the, in the British Open. I thought that was somewhat surprising, considering he's been playing more consistently. Yeah, he has been playing more. I I don't know. There have been
1: a lot of guys withdraw due to some travel restrictions and things of that nature, a lot more strict in the UK Mm -hmm. than what it is here. So I think in in total, the withdrawals are into the 30s now. Now, some of those are because guys have contracted COVID, Bubba uh, with COVID. Hideki still lingering from a couple of weeks ago with COVID. Zach Johnson now with COVID. So we're starting to see some more guys uh, get it again as the the caseload starts to rise a bit nationally. But I don't know. I wasn't too terribly shocked because – I mean, Wolf's made it pretty apparent that, um, you know, he's going to play when he wants to play. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. Play when you want to play. If, if the restrictions were too much uh, to head over, then, then don't go over there. And honestly, would Wolf have been one of the favorites this week? Probably not. I don't see this as a style of golf that fits his game really at all. I mean, he tees it high, lets it fly, hits, uh, hits high, long tee shots. Um yeah, I, I don't see this as a, a style that fits his game. So I have no problem with him hanging out at home. Also, while we're talking Oklahoma State golf, Carson, big congratulations. Taylor Gooch and his wife welcomed their first child over the weekend. Beautiful baby girl. So we've got another poke
0: in the family. Yeah, and I saw Taylor is already back at the British Open overseas. Yep. That's got to be a tough deal for the for the family. I, I wouldn't think they would travel with a newborn overseas. So he's got to be away for a little bit playing in – major championship but congrats to him had a baby daughter that's super exciting he kind of runs around with some of the people i do and uh oh man could you imagine if he won the british open oh, yeah. having just become okay. a father
1: it'd be unbelievable and it's, man, that'd be cool know, sometimes people roll their eyes whenever you talk about professional athletes and the sacrifices that they have to make in their lives people roll their eyes they're like yeah you're compensated really well there, there's no amount of compensation that makes that makes you feel good about having a baby and getting on a plane the next day. Like that is a sacrifice that a professional athlete makes that that those of us who lead normal lives don't have to make. Um, And I can't imagine how difficult that was for him. So hopefully he has a good result this week, make it worth the trip over.
0: One more thing before we go. Mike Gundy is at the podium at Big 12 Media Days. You're handed the microphone. What's the one question you would ask? Oh, I'm 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 springing a surprise on you. I didn't have this planned. Would it be – would it be poor form for me to ask if they've hired a special teams coach yet? (laughs) I mean, I I think that's a valid question. You have to phrase it carefully, but – yeah, you know?
1: I obviously wouldn't phrase it like that. I'd, I'd say something to the effect of uh, Mike's special team has been a real thorn in the side for Oklahoma State for a few years now. You know, back in the day, you had uh, Darrett Williams, Parrish Cox, all these great Oklahoma State returners. There's not much of a return game now, and you've been really getting beat uh, in that that third of the game on special teams. What are you doing to kind of rectify that and, and kind of see what he says? But uh, it's something that's not – it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not something that we spend a lot of time talking about in the offseason. But what happens in the middle of October Every year in the middle of October, every year, Oklahoma state loses a game because they give up a kick return or they get a field goal blocked or they have negative punt return yardage, or they muff a punt, or something happens. And we sit here and we talk about special teams and I yell and I get angry. And then we forget about it in the offseason until it happens again the next year. So hopefully this will be the year where we don't have to come in and talk about an inexplicable loss that took place due to special teams.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't rush the punter on fourth and forever against Texas. Carson, and, I thought about that,
1: and you just brought it back into my
0: memory, <laughs> and it halfway ruined my Monday. Oh, we were talking about that game last night at the station. Brian Keating and I were, and I was just like, how did they lose that game? Oh, yeah, they had like four turnovers and Rough the punter on fourth and forever. That'll do just, it. Ugh. I think it was they had, they and had four- no business losing that game.
1: I think it was fourth and 26 that they roughed the
0: punter. Oh. If,
1: uh, if I didn't have some stakes laid out to throw on the grill tonight, that would have totally ruined my day.
0: I'm sorry. I hate to take a turn in negative town. Uh, if I got handed the mic, I would just simply ask, you know, I would like to ask why he didn't play Spencer at all. His, 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 his free season of, of red shirt capabilities, but that, that ship sailed. I've made my point about that ad nauseum. There's nothing he can really say or do about it now. So I would ask, it's game one again this year just like last year Spencer goes out with an injury how much does your offense change and what can you do considering Shane Ellingworth is a completely different quarterback in terms of his skill set what do you guys do when that happens if Shane Ellingworths a quarterback what do you do differently offensively and I'm sure he'll say we don't do anything different we run o- OSU football but I think that I think that's a huge storyline because Sanders, When out, goes out of the game. And of course this was total deer in headlights situation for Illingworth who had been in COVID protocols. I understand all those things, but there's going to come a time with how much Spencer runs around where Illingworth's going to be in there most likely. And they're just so different that it's just, it's a huge curveball for them to try to manage.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Sorry, I was. Re- that's not Ernest Anderson at four dollars. By the way, that's Terry Miller at four
0: dollars. I knew it was one of the others. One yeah, of the others. I, I couldn't I was remember.
1: Googling it because I couldn't. Re- I thought that Ernest Anderson were thirty four, but I couldn't. Re- and forty three is the number here, but that's long time ago. So uh, correction there. But yes, Spencer Sanders, Shane Ellingworth very different very different so it's not the same offense for two different guys and with a guy who moves around like Spencer it's I mean we've seen it he's just missed a couple games here a couple games there so uh yeah I think that would be a really good one to know what happens in that situation and uh I mean none of us really believe that it's a, a quarterback competition this offseason, do we I mean Spencer's going to big 12 media days I don't I don't think that that would uh, would be a thing if he were in an open competition for the starting job
0: no I, I don't think so and and there's really no hurry with Illingworth considering he got a free season with COVID. So he's essentially still a freshman. So it'd be quite another thing if he was, you know, a sophomore and you're, you may maybe Sanders is struggling and you're looking ahead to, to Illingworth being the guy and changing your offense to what he presents. But but no, I think it's Spencer's job. He is going to determine this season whether it's a success or whether it's another, you know, seven, eight win season. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But I'm looking forward to media days. That's on with Media starts on Wednesday. OSU doesn't go until Thursday. So that's it's exciting because they go before the SEC for once. They're no longer going to be an afterthought. They're going to be one of the first Media Days, hopefully getting more national attention, more national coverage, because Gundy's always one of the stars of the show. He's always fun to talk to, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, maybe they'll be – this year there won't be an afterthought. They'll be a beforethought. It'll be a nice little appetizer for ESPN before they can get down to the SEC.
0: Yeah, I know they'll, they'll probably – Plug their nose and talk a little Big 12, which I know they probably hate. So
1: this is what they'll do: they'll set up a table at Big 12 Media Days to preview SEC Media
0: Days. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, well, "Why we're here? Let's talk about Alabama."
1: Yeah, let's do it. So,
0: well, Colby, we'll get back with you on uh, Friday, hopefully after some uh, Big 12 talk down in uh, Dallas. So uh, we'll we'll talk to you then. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Everybody have a great week.